the author of John really hangs the offense at Mary's lavishly over-the-top action today, hangs the offense around Judas' neck. It seems the author overloads the argument with the accusation on top of everything else that Judas was a thief, stealing out of the disciples' common purse. But part of me wants to say to the author of John, he thinks thee dost protest too much. Maybe the author pushes this case against Judas hard because there's something uncomfortably familiar about Judas' words and perspective, something uncomfortably like a mirror in his reaction to Mary's outrageously expensive act to honor Jesus. 300 denarii, the value of that pound of nard, was worth one year's wages for a regular worker of the time. It would be akin these days to buying Jesus a six-figure high-end sports car or setting him a lavish catered dinner over at the outdoor art club. Would we be offended if such an act were planned? Well, of course we would be, just like Judas. Judas' words indeed reflect our own judgments about the way things should be in the world, and indeed the church how we expect things ought to be, and with some good reason. Our own thievery aside, we have to wonder regularly if our operating budget leans too heavily on maintaining an institution from staff salaries to upkeep, and whether or not we allocate enough to serve the poor. We have to wonder from time to time if lavish liturgy like ours the rough equivalent of our regularly breaking an expensive jar of ointment over Jesus' feet to honor his work among us, is a scandal when there are people who appear regularly at Camino Alto at East Blythedale begging for a few dollars or coins just so they may eat their next meal. question before us this day is the question that hits Judas straight between the eyes. Is this Jesus who accepts such a lavish gift, the Messiah, we expect? Maybe not. Judas' expectations are so poorly met by Jesus' actions that Judas takes great offense. So great an offense that he has drawn headlong into more acts of betrayal that become infamous in Christian tradition. But who felt betrayed first? Honestly, I think Judas did. As we all do when our God in Christ fails to meet our expectations, when our prayers don't get answered the way we want them to, When Jesus fails to show up the way we think he ought, when our best and most loving plans wander into chaos or down dead-end alleys, when our expectations of even those we most dearly love are uprooted by the harsh realities of disappointment, failure, and betrayal. 
reminds me of learning recently that one definition of expectation is planned resentment. Isn't it true? I carry that teaching around with me every day and quote it probably more often than necessary. But when disappointment and betrayal come knocking, which they do, this teaching is a touchstone that reminds me I am not in charge. And I most certainly am not God. As a Christian community on journey together, we are about to run headlong into the climax of Lent. With Holy Week just around the corner, our expectations about what should be are about to meet what will be in the cross. All the disciples will follow after Judas in their own way. Peter will deny Jesus three times. Others will simply run silently and hide out of fear as Jesus, along with every expectation of what a Messiah should be, is hung up to die. It is Mary of Bethany, oddly enough, who is remembered among the ranks of the faithful, faithful as she is to this fragile Savior who offered her wisdom in the midst of a capricious and unpredictable life, who raised her brother from death when all hope was gone. This Mary who threw all caution to the winds and gave her most expensive gift to this man who is about to die. This Mary who would be laughed off Wall Street, kicked off Main Street, and perhaps even out of our pews at times for her lack of proportioned reasoning or her impoverished management of risk, who scandalizes every conceivable expectation that we might have about the way rational followers of Jesus are supposed to behave. The poetry of the prophet Isaiah this morning talks about hyenas and ostriches. Rather odd combination, don't you think? Strange images, but images, it seems to me, of the deserts of our souls, where laughing cynicism can rule and we are tempted to stick our heads in the proverbial sand. For it is our mysterious and often inscrutable God who says, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And that new thing will defy every possible expectation that we have. Our lack of perception, our heads in the sand, as it were, is in part about our unmet expectations, about the unanticipated turns in the road of life that we don't like, of the unplanned contingencies of our fragile humanity when we want so much to be in control. Oddly enough, this is what Mary blesses with her scandalously lavish act in today's gospel. It is what we bless each Sunday as we gather to break open the fragrant vessels of our expensive hearts over the Lord's feet. As we honor his saving grace, 
though we can scarcely understand it except in hindsight. We can only understand God's grace by looking backwards over the experiences of our meandering, unpredictable lives. Jesus asks his most intimate disciples and us, his followers, to set aside our narrow expectations about the way we think things should be and instead embrace the abundance of God's grace given to us in the way of the cross. To hold our concepts of order lightly while we embrace the ironies of a God who gives up life so that all may have it who defeats death by dying, who overturns evil by capitulating to it, who upends poverty by scandalizing the prosperous, who subverts oppression by humbly offering self as servant, as slave, who brings new life not to the carefully planned, but to where there is sacrifice and offering who brings transformation where ordinary water is sprinkled about, who brings wholeness where hearts are broken like bread, and a new family where a cup is shared amongst strangers. My sisters and brothers in Christ, it is near the end of Lent. Time to take our heads out of the desert sands of our expectations and perceive that our God of life is indeed about to do a new thing in our midst. Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.